कहना वार्ड सी going to be a, a short sermon, about 20 minutes, because we're also having a Holy Communion today. But the sermon is waiting and praising. And our Bible text, like we just read, is Hebrews 6. Amen. Amen. Waiting and praising. Um, we're going to focus on verse 13 to 20 of that Hebrews 6, but I thought it was important for us to read from the beginning, because again, you know, the Bible is you know one big book, and each different chapters or each different books, can they all connect basically? And I thought it was important that we read from the beginning. Topic once again is waiting and praising. So let's look at our scripture really quickly. That Hebrew six, and I'm just going to pick a few verses that we'll look at before we jump right into the sermon for today. It says in verse one, it says, "Let us stop." And I'm reading from New Living Translation. It says, let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. So basically it's saying, you know, we all know we're supposed to repent. We're supposed to give our lives to Christ. Um, let's stop going over that, right? That's what this um, verse is saying. And then it goes on to say in verse 4, so I think all of us here, you know, it's just saying us that it's, it's basically saying that to give our life to Christ, to become a Christian, is so simple and so basic, you know. So we shouldn't, it's not this, 
It's not this big thing. It's not this complicated thing. The Lord has made it as simple as possible. The Bible says in Romans 10.13 that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that the Lord Jesus Christ has died for your sins, that, that is what, that's what saves you. So it's very, very simple to be saved. Now we jump to verse 4. And it says, For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced... Can you please put that on the screen, please? Um, Hebrews 6.4 For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come. So they were once enlightened, they have tasted the heavenly gifts and they were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. So these are not basic people, right? We just heard in verse 1 that giving our life to Christ is very is basic, it's simple. These people that we're talking about in verse 4, they've passed the basic stage, right? They're enlightened, they've tasted of the heavenly gift, they partook of the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, they have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the world to come. And verse 6, and these people haven't done all of this, and they turn away from God. So if we look at that verse 4 and 5, it's probably describing all of us here, if you have given your life to Christ. You know, we've, if we're enlightened, we've experienced the good things of heaven, right? We have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come. So this verse, you know, it, 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 this verse is talking about us, we that we're sitting down in the church today. So it is possible for these people to then turn away from God. So what can cause that? Now we segue into our um, sermon for today. Amen. Waiting and praising. So what does it mean to wait, right? Wait means to stay where you are or to delay action until a particular time. What is that thing that can make people that are giving their life to Christ, that have received all of it, what is that thing that can make them um, that can make them turn away from the Lord. One of those things is delayed gratification, delayed hope. Is never is never seeming to get what the Lord has promised you that you would get. And growing weary, growing tired of waiting. You know, being being tired of of the constant wait. Praise God. So what does it mean to wait? We just said that it's staying where you are or delaying action until a particular time or until something else happens. I was sharing the story, and I've shared it with, not with the church, but with my family members, with a particular pastor. I learned later that, I learned later that he was a pastor. But some guy came on Twitter, and he had like this very long thread. And he was like, you know, that he was, a, he was a pastor in the church. Like He listed basically things that, if you see that in somebody's life, you'd be like, okay, genuine child of God here. But then he said, but he never experienced the freedom and the joy and the everything that people keep talking about as, as Christians. And for me, I'm not saying that he was genuinely saved or not. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not God. But let's assume that someone like that was genuinely saved. One of the, the reasons why he decided to give it up and be done and become an atheist is because he kept waiting for something but never got that thing, right? And I'm, and I'm sure that every single one of us here, in some way, we're waiting for something. Right? Whether you're waiting for the fulfillment of your destiny, or you're waiting for a job, or a car, or, you know, school, whatever it might be, a husband, right? We're all waiting for something, and we keep praying and asking, 
Um, praise the Lord. You can always feel like you're waiting for something. Waiting. Sometimes you might, okay, let's say you are asking God for a job and then you get the job. And then three months later, you, your, your supervisor starts misbehaving. So you start waiting for that supervisor to stop misbehaving or for you to get transferred out of that department, right? So we're constantly waiting. And we're constantly waiting because we're constantly wanting, right? So it's not, we have to kind of think about that, that we're constantly waiting because we always want to move and improve. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. Amen. So what does waiting require, right? The Bible tells us that we should wait on the Lord. So if you want something, right, you start waiting on the Lord, you start praying, you should wait for God to give you what you're asking for. So what does waiting require? Waiting requires trust, right? It requires trust that what you're waiting for, you'll get it. Otherwise, there's no point in waiting, right? Waiting requires, what is, so what is trust? Trust is a firm belief in the reliability, the truth, the ability or strength of someone or something. So waiting requires you trust in that. When my waiting period is over, I will get what I'm waiting for, right? Okay. Waiting also requires hope, right? Hope is a feeling of expectation and a desire for something to happen, right? So waiting also means that you're, you have a positive outlook that what you are waiting on will come. It requires trust, right? That what you are waiting on, you know, it will be there. Like, I, I can trust, like, let's say, for instance, you put your phone in the microwave. You trust that the microwave is working because you used it yesterday or because you just bought it. Like, you're trusting that process. And you have hope that by the time the microwave is done, your food will be hot, right? So, we, whenever we wait, those two things are um, always there. But that is what true waiting is trusting the process. And having hope that when that process is done, right, there will be something positive and great at the end of it. Let, let, that's what Hebrews 6, 19 says. And let's just pan to that real quickly. Hebrews 6, 19. Talking about hope here specifically. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. The song that we just sang, it says that and all the hope that we have, we place, we place it in you. So hope is basically you having that positive outlook. You hoping that, okay, I'm waiting and there will be something good at the end of it, right? So, what, like we said, waiting requires trust and hope. And what it means, you can say, okay, how do I know that I trust the process? Well, it means that while you're microwaving your food, you don't also have another, like, portion of the food on, on the stove warming it, that just in case the microwave doesn't work, right? So you cannot claim to be waiting on God and have other alternatives, you know? You cannot claim to, and that's what we just prayed about, right? The Israelites, they kept going to other things. They kept looking at other things that they could physically see instead of trusting the Lord. Amen. So, what does waiting... Amen. 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 What does waiting... So, what is not waiting, right? What is, we're going to look at what waiting is not. But before we do that, let's look at Romans fifteen thirteen. Romans fifteen thirteen. If you have it, you can read it. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that he may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. 
Amen. Amen. Hope is that thing that keeps you when you're waiting, right? Hope is that thing that keeps you expecting. That it's kind of like personally, because I love food. So if, like, you know, if I'm, if I'm warming my spaghetti, I'm so hopeful that, oof, when I get that food, it's going to be so good. So that hope is what keeps you waiting, keeps you expectant. So now we're going to look at what waiting is not, right? I mean, there are three of them. Waiting is not pausing. Waiting is not stagnancy. And waiting is not complacency, right? So we have to, we have to understand, like, when we say we claim that we are waiting on God, we have to make sure that we are not pausing, that we're not in stagnancy and we're not in complacency. Alright, so we're going to look at what pausing means. Pausing means to interrupt an action or a speech briefly, right? So there's going to be a play. You're just, it's just very brief. So you're temporarily waiting on God. What we are going to, the things we're going to look at today, we already said what waiting requires, right? What waiting is made of? Made up of. So... Pausing, stagnancy, and complacency, we're going to look at them, and we're going to see that each of these do not, is that, is either they are missing hope, or they are missing trust, or they are missing both. Alright, so pausing, you're interrupting a speech briefly. There is no or little trust in pausing, because you are only obeying for a while. If God wastes your time, you move on. You play and move on, right? Let's look at 1 Samuel 13, 8-9. As an example of somebody who was pausing. First Samuel thirteen, eight to nine. Yes, thirteen, eight to nine. So we said three so we said there are seven days for Samuel. And Samuel had instructed him earlier. But Samuel still didn't come. So all realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. Yes. So he demanded, bring me the bond offering and the peace offering, and so sacrifice the bond offering himself. Amen. Amen. Right? So, first time of 1889, I'm sorry, um, Saul just paused, right? When, when he was tired of waiting, when he, when he started looking around him, right, he just went ahead and played and did what he wanted to do. Um, and I, one thing I wanted to point out here was like, because you know, we, a lot of times we put stock in numbers and we can be, um, we can be very superstitious and we put stock in numbers, which the number seven is a very good number, it's a number of perfection, we can see that in the Bible. But I thought it was important to mention here that Saul waited for seven days. And Saul can say, well, it's the seventh day, number of perfection, the Lord must want me to do this thing. Right, so we can start. We can we can start to see things that are not there when we are pausing, right? Because we are so anxious to get it done, we don't really trust that God will give us. You know, we don't really trust that process. We we really want it. We have that hope, right? Let's say, for instance, you want to buy a car. You have that hope that you get the car, but the Lord is telling you not to get a loan, right? But and you and you feel like you should wait. And but then all of a sudden you you see someone you see a number flash across the screen you're watching TV four four seven 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 I say ah the Lord must want this and then you call the them and it's a loan and you do it because obviously even though the Lord told you that you shouldn't get a loan because you saw the number seven it must mean that God has changed His mind we cannot afford to pause we need to make sure that we're waiting so we need to ask yourself right now in your waiting am I truly waiting or am I pausing? You know, am I looking at other, like, you know, just 
waiting for something that even though deep down you know is not God, but you are you are waiting that if God says that, but this is not what I said, should you say, ah, but I saw the number seven now, even though you know that that's not what God is saying. And that's exactly what Saul did, not once, but twice. Even in the story of the um, killing the Agag, he already had a ready excuse. So that when the Lord says, this is not what I asked you to do, he's like, nope. But I brought them to sacrifice to you, though. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. The second one is stagnancy, right? So in stagnancy, there is no trust and there is no hope. It's just plain despair, right? Stagnancy means you are showing no activity. You are dull and you are sluggish. And the truth is that we all, we can, during our waiting, we can fluctuate between these different, you know, phases, right? Stagnancy here is just you're tired. There is no current of flow. And even what happens when you're stagnant is that there begins to be an unpleasant smell as a consequence, right? You're just so tired. You don't trust God's process anymore. And you don't even have hope that God is going to do what you're asking Him to do, right? You don't enjoy where you are now, but you don't think that you ever get better. So you are just there. You have no hope and no trust in God. You don't trust His goodness. You don't trust His plan for you. Not be- because, because you've waited for so long or because, let's just say, you don't even have a strong enough faith. Let's look at, um, well, we don't have to look at the scripture for this one, but an example would be our sermon from last week. The man at the pool, right? The man had been there for 38 years. When the Lord even said, do you want to get healed? His answer was not, yes! Because that would show hope, right? No. He was like, well, being here forever. So, I mean, <laughs> no trust and no hope, right? Yes, he knew that the angel would come and steal the water, but he couldn't trust the process anymore because he had been there for 38 years and was never able to experience the goodness of that water. So why, can he, why would he trust him, right? No trust, no hope, just stagnant. Literally, he was in the same place for 38 years. Amen. So ask yourself, am I waiting or am I stagnant, right? Is there still some trust in your heart that God will take care of you? Is there still hope that you're still hoping for that thing that you're asking God for? Amen. Or is it just completely dead? It's like, I don't want to, it's fine if you're there, but we just need to make sure that, okay, you understand that, okay, I'm stagnant. I need to move from this stagnancy and actually start waiting upon God. Amen. Amen. Complacency um, is the next one. And in complacency, this is the one that you're slightly or you're fully enjoying yourself, right? So you trust in God's goodness because you're in a place of comfortability, but you don't have any hope for the future. Because why? Why do you need hope? Right? You're comfortable, you have a car, you have a good job, you go to church every Sunday, like it's fine, you don't have any reason. Um, Let's look at Judges 16.20. There's no looking forward to the future. There is no desire for growth because you're comfortable. Judges 16, 20. I'll go ahead and read it. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I would do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Amen. That sentence, I would shake, I would do as before and shake myself free, shows you a complacency there, right? I have this power, I have this power, I'll just do what I've done before, right? And um, Samson had no reason to 
hope for the future. He wasn't even desiring growth because if he was, then he would not have gone back to the Philistines and you know kept keep doing the same thing that he was doing that caused the problem in the beginning. Keep going back, knowing that obviously Delilah must have been doing something because every time he would tell her that this is the secret of my strength, he would wake up and find himself like bound with what he said was the secret of his strength. And then the Philistines will come and he will arise, right? So something trusted in that strength, but he had no desire for growth, no hope. So is that where you are right now? You know, you're comfortable enough. Are you waiting or are you complacent? Amen. So here's the news that we don't want to hear. We can just as easily fall into any of these categories. You can be waiting one moment and then you just go into pausing or you go into stagnancy. The devil's desire is for you to be either stagnant, pausing, or complacent. Because that and that way you're, not, you're never going to get what the Lord truly has for you. All the people that we mentioned here, except the man at the pool of Bethsaida, none of them got what God had in store for them. Even the man at the pool, I don't even think he was supposed to be there that long, but that's just my personal opinion. But we can all make these mistakes. But here's the good news. It's a matter of choice. We can choose to wait. You can choose to say that, okay, whenever I feel myself not trusting God anymore, whenever I feel myself not hoping for the future anymore, I need to force myself. I need to, I need to do something. So what is that something that we need to do? We need to praise. Right? That's why the topic is waiting and praising. So if you sit down there, you're asking yourself, am I trusting God? Am I trusting in His goodness? Am I hoping for a greater future in Him? If there's even a slight no, we need to make both of them solid yeses. And how do we do that? Let's look at Psalm 143, verse 46. Now, I like this scripture because the psalmist is usually very open with God. Like, Lord, this is what I'm going through. He says here, he says, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation because I really like how he puts it. He says, I'm losing all hope. I'm paralyzed with fear. I remember the days of old. Before I even read verse 5. Verse 4 says, I'm losing all hope. I'm paralyzed with fear. He doesn't have any more hope. Unless, and trust is disintegrated. Right? And he's saying that, but I will remember the days of old. And I will ponder all your great works and think about what you've done. That's what praise does. Right? And then as a result of that praise in verse 6, we will lift our hands to you in prayer and thirst for you like parched land thirsts for rain. So how can we truly wait? We need to praise. Praise forces us to focus on who God is and what he has in store for us. It reminds us that I have a very big God. He's always by my side. A very big God. By my side, by my side. Reminds us that our God is big and that he will never leave us. Amen. Amen. I want us to just take this prayer point and say, Father, I want to wait on you. Your word says that those who wait on you, you will renew their strength. I want to wait on you. Help me. Shall we go ahead and pray? Father, I want to wait on you. 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 
one and reason. I don't want to go to the level of consistency or such as I don't want to go to that level of glory. I don't want to go to the level of money or business or in Jesus name we are praying Amen. Amen. Amen what that means is that you're not going to feel like praising you're not but if you can just struggle and even if you start singing a song or put on um, a praise song and just sing along with it that will help you to focus on who God is and when the Lord help us in Jesus name Amen. Amen. praise God Hallelujah!